You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to cover a lot of sort of different topics, um, but about one main topic, and that's the EMR, or the electronic medical record. Um, this has been um, you know, a huge nightmare for my patients, as well as uh, myself and colleagues, uh, because currently uh, the hospital system that I work in underwent uh, a cyber attack, so all of those systems are down. And you know, I've seen um, stories in the paper and in the news over the past few years about other health institutions um, being hit with cyber attacks and ransomware, and um, it, it's really a terrible thing because, you know, patients that were scheduled or had care um, delayed or they have to change appointments or move appointments, uh, as well as increasing risk of um, potential harm or injury because you don't have access to these important medical records, um, it, it's it's just a disaster um, all around. So when we talk about the EMR, um, it's something that has been talked about a lot. And it was just a few weeks ago, um, a topic came up on some of our forums um, about these issues. So let's kind of back up, right? So we back up to years ago, and it was when I trained and when I was in practice, you know, initially everything was written. You know, I saw my patients, I talked to them, I saw them. And you know, I wrote my notes down um, and I created a progress note um, or I wrote orders and all of that went into a chart and they were transcribed. And that was just kind of the way it was. And there were some big concerns, right? There were concerns because doctor's handwriting was illegible. And, you know, sometimes um, it, it was hard to understand or decipher, you know, what they meant. And there was always these fear of drug errors um, because of the way that people would write things. So there were some concerns there. And then a way of capturing, you know, the data, if it was written into a chart, if you did studies, people would have to go back manually. So, you know, what happened, and, and I'm not a huge expert on the EMR. Um, I have plenty of other things to worry about, but it, it was really the government that came out and brought up this idea of all institutions needed to have an electronic medical record. And what they did was if they had the date of when it was going into effect, and if you did it two years prior, you actually got like a 2% bonus for your Medicare payments. And the year prior, if you instituted it, you got like a, you know, a 1% bonus, and then you had to institute it. And if you didn't institute it the following year, you got a 1% penalty and then a 2% penalty. And I'm not sure if the penalties went up from there. But what happened was at the same time, insurances, you know, have been driving doctors crazy trying to take care of their patients. So you had doctors that were, you know, hiring more people and more staff and, you know, more people to do authorizations and deal with the insurance companies. And that cut into the overhead at the same time that the insurance companies were paying doctors less and less for services. And now you had this huge, huge expense that you were forced to do, otherwise that you would be penalized you know, by um, the insurers and Medicare and the government. So places um, either you know, bit the bullet and bought, you know, you're talking about hospital institutions that spent hundreds of millions of dollars because there was just an article about the lady that created Epic, you know, being worth billions, with a B, billions. Um, and then you had a lot of these smaller, 
you know, doctor's offices and small groups that just couldn't afford it. So they basically got absorbed by other larger healthcare systems in the area because they were just being bled dry trying to cover just the bills to pay their staff because it became so tedious, you know, with the insurance companies and now this added expense of an electronic medical record. Now, in medicine, as far as I can tell, in my experience, it is the only place where technology has made us less efficient. You know, and and nowhere else has this been, you know, visible to me in this in this past week because you know, I spent the day in clinic and I had no computer and I saw my patients and I talked to them, I examined them, I gave them a plan and at the end of the note I, or at the end of the visit, I wrote a note. And it was amazing because after my last patient, I wrote my last note and I was out the door. I was done, like in five minutes. It's been shown that for every hour of patient care, most healthcare providers spend at least two hours extra to do all the clicking and documentation and box and this and that. And the hard part for doctors, and you know, kind of be nice to your doctors, because I know from a patient's perspective, I hear from many of them, you know, I hate seeing my doctor anymore because I look at his back or I look at her back. You know, my doctor has their their face buried in a computer and they're just clicking away as they ask me questions. And it's become a very impersonal relationship where the, you know, healthcare provider, clinician, patient relationship used to be a very intimate you know, relationship where, you know, you looked someone in the eye and, you know, with COVID, we can't shake hands anymore, but, you know, you, you were able to at least make some sort of contact. And even now, you know, a lot of primary care doctors are just doing everything virtually from home. So, you know, you're looking at a computer screen and they're still, you know, typing away, but the electronic medical record, you know, again, I don't know any doctors personally, and I'm sure there are some that really wanted this. Um, so don't feel that your doctor's at fault for, you know, burying their face. It's just, it, it's a means to an end. They, they have to do it to get it done. Um, and it's basically taken away from this doctor-patient relationship. And it's added a lot more time on the back end. And the good news is for a lot of patients that the record is there. So this is the thing that I really wanted to kind of talk to people about is, Understand what the EMR can do for you and what it can't do, and what are some of the problems with it. So I've had a lot of patients that believe if they go somewhere and there's an electronic medical record that it's a national medical record. It's not. It's not a universal healthcare database. So if you're at hospital system A and you go to hospital system B, don't tell me that all my meds and all my information's in the computer. Yeah, it is at your other hospital. But at my hospital, I don't have any information. Now, some places, if you're on the same system, sometimes we'll share that information. But again, it becomes up to the hospital to decide we want to share in our platform labs or we want to share you know, operative reports or x-ray reports. But there's not a carte blanche. And I don't believe that's right. I think it should be up to the patient. It's your medical record. So if you decided, you know what? I want all of my labs and notes shared with all hospitals because I do see three different doctors at three different healthcare systems, it should be up to you and it shouldn't be up to the healthcare system to decide what they share and what they don't share. It's your information. So that's kind of number one. Number two, another law came out which basically said that you have access to all your healthcare information. And I think it's a good thing and I think it's a bad thing. Why? Patients don't understand what they're looking at um, if you don't have a degree in medicine. And that's a good and a bad thing. But that was the whole idea of having a doctor. So if I ordered labs or ordered a test, 
you would come back and we could go over the results. But now, a lot of times, patients are getting these results even before the doctor has had a chance to see them. Why? Because they're working. They're seeing other patients. And they're spending two hours on the computer for every patient hour that they've done patient care. And they don't see it and respond to it immediately. Um, You know, we've become this culture of, you know, we click a button on Amazon, it's going to be delivered today or first thing tomorrow morning. But, you know, the doctors are looking at that stuff. And, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but for most people, like if I'm looking for something important, like I think someone has a blood clot and doing an ultrasound, like I'm looking out for that ultrasound report or they're calling me and going, hey, the ultrasound report was or the ultrasound was normal or there is a blood clot because I need to act on that. But if you're coming in to get your cholesterol checked for your yearly physical and you got your result back. And patients are freaking out because they haven't heard back from their doctor the second that it became live. It's because your doctor's working, and it's not a life-threatening emergency. But also, when labs show up as high or low, there's some fluctuation or variation. And patients, I've found, have gotten extremely scared and anxious over a lab value that was listed as high or low, but it was 0.01 high or 0.01 low. Or maybe it was two points low, but it's been two points low since they were 40 years old, and that's stable for them. So a lot of patients have had a lot of anxiety of trying to interpret this data, which in the past would be looked at by your doctor, and they would kind of scrutinize all these subtle little lab values and go, yeah, all all your stuff's fine. Everything looks great. Or you know what? Your cholesterol is a little high. You know, we should do this or that or change what you're eating or exercise more, take a pill. But if you can't interpret the data, people are freaking out. So then what what do people do? Well, then they send a message, right? Because you can send a message in the portal. And there are a lot of doctors now that are just being inundated. So they had to see a patient and they had to spend two hours for every hour of work to try to do all the data in this data entry system. And now they're getting message after message after message. And, you know, for a doctor on salary, they may have a certain number of patients that they see, and they may have all the time in the world because they're on salary. But for a lot of doctors still, they're what's called productivity-based, meaning they get paid um, for procedures or the patients that they see. And they don't get paid for every message that they respond to. So that is really taxing a lot of doctors because there's this added push of trying to respond to every single message. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, who's making money? The hospital CEOs, they're making more money. The insurance companies are making more money. Your copays, like my copays, keep going up. Um, and, you know, the insurance companies keep getting these profits, lowering the reimbursements to the doctors. But yet, because of government laws, we're now taxed with doing more work than ever. You know, I've heard people say that doctors have become the most highly educated and most expensive and highly paid data entry clerks in the entire world. Because most of the systems have even taken away the ability to delegate and have a nurse or medical assistant or someone else put that information in. Some places have learned what's called to use scribes. So these are people that have some sort of medical language uh, background, and they can come and basically on the fly, you can tell them and they can put the data in. Um, a lot of places like us go, yeah, yeah, we've looked at other places. Sure, that's more effective, but no, 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 we're not, we're not going to institute that. You're on your own. Um, so you wind up spending a lot of time, you know, doing this data entry stuff. And, you know, I've had a lot of other people say, hey, hospitals are for profit. I want my records. Great. Now I can print them out. But in the past, like, I want my records. Okay, now you got to pay for it. Well, wait a second. You're a healthcare institution. 
you get paid for all the tests that I have done at your hospital. You get paid for all of the surgeries that I have done at your hospital. You get paid for all of the doctor's visits that I have at your hospital. And now you're going to charge me to give me a copy of my results? Like, I always thought that was absurd. It was just completely absurd. And it was never easy. You know, every patient I ever talked to, it was like pulling teeth to actually try to get a copy of your medical records. They're yours. Someone should go, yeah, sure, we'll send them out tomorrow, boom, or we'll print them out, you can pick them up this afternoon. But for every patient that I ever dealt with, it was always a hassle if they went to medical records. So that is one benefit that now you can see it and you can print it out. And this is what I'm gonna tell you. This is the important thing, is that I believe that as you get these records, especially if, you, if you're being seen at more than one institution, is make a copy of your records and keep a hard copy. Why? Cyber attacks happen right? So you get all these records and all these labs and all these notes, and guess what? Boom, they're all gone. They could be gone. You know, hopefully they come back. You know, certain institutions I've heard have been able to pay the ransom. Certain institutions have been able to, you know, they had a, um, a backup system. You know, certain institutions may have lost stuff, but you don't know, you know, what that is until down the road. So for me, um, I had one health scare, um, you know, but, you know, I'm getting older. I, you know, I've been to doctors and I have a three ring binder. So when I go to doctors or I have a test or I have a lab or I have a study, you know, I get a copy of the report and it goes in this chronologic three ring binder and call me old fashioned. Um, but this way, if I go to see a specialist for a problem um, or if I had to look back at what my labs were at some point, you know, I can pull it up and go, yep, my blood count on this day was here. This is my EKG. This was my, you know, x-ray report or my MRI report. And I have all that stuff. Because it makes, you know, one, it makes you the controller of your data, especially if you move. Um, I always tell my patients that are moving, um, I say, hey, let me give you a copy of your implant record. You know, hopefully you never need another surgery, but if you need a revision on your knee or hip replacement, these are the implant sizes and serial numbers. So if you have a problem, you know, and someone says, what do you got in there? You don't have to say, ah, oh, I don't know. And maybe, maybe my doc retired or the, the hospital records got purged you have a copy of that implant record. So this way, if you have a copy of your implants, pacemaker, defibrillator, shoulder replacement, hip replacement, you know, that's really important stuff. Have a copy of your labs, you know, because for us, you know, people were scheduled for surgery and had pre-op labs. Okay, I can't see them now. So if you had printed them out, you could bring them in and go, yeah, these are the labs I did two weeks ago. Great, I can look at them, you know, and, and this way we can verify, otherwise sending you out and having them redone again. So if you kept a running copy... And the other thing, which I think is really important too, is, you know, keeping um, a very concise summary. You know, I have a lot of patients when they come in, I still use a, a written sort of information sheet because again, a lot of my patients come from outside the institution and still, you know, they'll write meds, see computer, <laughs> surgeries, see computer. Okay. But you're not from here. I don't have access to your computer. So what I tell people is, you know, create a document. If you're on the cloud, like Google, you can get a Google document. You can get it on your phone, your tablet, your, you know, but whatever system that you use, um, I even have people that just have it on their computer at home and print it out and keep it updated. But go in and, you know, keep a list of your allergies and what symptoms you get. Is it hives? Is it anaphylactis? What medications you're on and the dose? And if your doctor changes it, go back and change it. What surgeries you've had, when, by who, and where, um, you know, and this way, when you walk into a doctor's office, you don't have to fill out any of those forms, but if the computer shuts down, computer disappears, hard drive disappears, you know, backup system disappears, at least you go, this is my medical history. I have everything here. I have my hard copy or I have it on my phone. And the other thing is in case of emergency, this is where 
it's it's definitely a questionable thing, and I'm not sure if it's the right or wrong thing, but certain places have talked about the idea of having implantable devices. Um, I think it's not a bad thing. You know, imagine if you had an implantable device that you had control over, right? It doesn't control any part of your body, but just a little chip that would have your name, emergency contact information, allergies. Let's say you do have an anaphylactic reaction to a medication. Let's say you're diabetic. Maybe you have a seizure disorder. Um, may, maybe you're on a blood thinner and, you know, you've fallen and someone's trying to figure out. People always say, well, it's all my phone. Well, great. What if you were ejected from a car in a car accident? Who knows where your phone went, but they found you. They found the body. They take you to a hospital and you're unconscious. How do they figure out who you are or what you are? So with that little bit of information that you would control, they could scan it. And they go, oh, this is who it is. This is the contact information. Oh, you know what? They actually, they're on a blood thinner. They hit their head. They may have a bleed in their head. Or you know what? They're unconscious. They're a diabetic. You know, maybe their blood sugar is low. We got to check their blood sugar. So for certain people with certain conditions, you know, I think having a little implantable chip, you know, would be a very important thing, you know, and it becomes sort of your self-contained, you know, electronic medical record. But then you would need hospitals that would have to have ways of reading that. So for us, if it was attached to the system, we couldn't use that. So you'd have to have a, you know, separate isolated standing device. Um, but again, the, the benefit of the EMRs has really been, and they've touted it to hospitals, is a billing system and a data collection system. So all of this data for you is there. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it hasn't made, of all the doctors I know, any of our lives any easier. So it's the only sort of positive in all of this that I'm seeing right now is I have a little bit more time because I see my patients, I can look at them, I can talk to them, I can write a note with a pen, and at some point it's going to get scanned into some system, um, but I'm not clicking away um, ad nauseum. Prescription writing is actually easier, um, but this does mean that you need to go to a pharmacy with my prescription, drop it off, and then come back later versus it being digitally sent. Um, and then just picking it up, which makes one trip, as opposed to now patients are making two trips. Um, but at the end of the day, your information is your record. And if it's not a pressing issue um, for the, the sanity of um, of your doctor, um, but also for, for your sanity, is don't overthink it. You know, I would like to believe um, that most doctors are going to be looking, and if something is pressing, emergent, stat, ab, abnormal, grossly, they're going to call you with the result. Um, but for these little minor changes, I think the best thing is if you do have access, it's great. Print it out, make an appointment, come in and see your doctor. They can review it, and most of the time they'll let you know, this is normal, this is okay. That little high-low is within normal limits for you. Um, these are the changes that we're going to make to your health history or your medications, and keep a list, make a hard copy, um, create a document if you haven't already, create it today, save it on your phone, save it on your tablet of just the important things, allergies, medications, past surgeries, implantable devices um, like pacemakers. It's very good to know like what company made it, defibrillator, what company made it, um, implants if you haven't. I always tell my patients, you know, go back and get the copy of the records, at least know the system and the company so you can put that information in there and then print those out when you go and see a new provider at a new institution because you'll make your life easier and their life easier if you just give them a piece of paper. I always love seeing it when it's nice and concisely written. And then you can update it um, so you're always aware of what you're on and what's going on. So a lot of information, um, electronic and medical records, kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, unfortunately, I think most people, including me, are of the understanding that they're here to stay. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to tech companies, you know, the places like Amazon and Google and Microsoft that are realizing, hey, you know, we're so big and we have enough smart people and enough technology 
that you know we could create our own health system, health network, um, health algorithm, and and I'm really hoping that they can come in and make a system that is better, that is more useful, um, that is more intuitive, that is more time efficient, that is more cost effective. Um, and it's more accessible for both people that work in the healthcare field as well as patients and, and really kind of shut down some of these other companies, you know, like, uh, that have taken over this market and made billions and billions of dollars, but have really kind of put out a product that is, you know, fair at best. So control your information. It's yours. Um, thanks for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to your knee, your health until next time. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.